Amen. Well, church, we have um, an awesome, awesome message tonight. We have one of our assistant pastors, Pastor Tom, is going to be bringing the word here tonight, and he's going to be talking on the topic of evangelism. Amen. It's so important for us to hear on this topic of evangelism, and honestly, he's one of the best people that could be talking to us on this topic of evangelism. He's one of our assistant pastors. He's our outreach director, and, you know, just from working with him, being a friend of his, I see the heart he has for people. Amen. And if you want to talk about somebody that really talks to people about Jesus, it's him. I've literally been in the car with him, and we stopped in the toll booth, and he's, he knew the person's name. And I looked at him, and I was like, how did you know who they were? And Because he, he literally would stop and talk to them when he would go through and share the good news. Amen. He's an amazing man. So I just want to encourage you, God has put something on his heart to share with us on this topic. So prepare your heart to receive what the Lord has given to him to give to us. Amen. Let's welcome Pastor Tom. Okay, we just got to clarify something here. I'm not one of those annoying people who waited the toll booth for hours. I, I look at the person in the back when I have the time and there's nobody behind me. I will talk to some of the toll collectors. And I've made friends with them, and you see them in stores. So just to clarify. But anyway, on behalf of Pastor Joe and Barb, again, happy Father's Day. Um, how many fathers are in here? Amen. Let's give them a hand. Let's give the fathers a hand. Right? I, I'm a father myself. It's uh, one of the greatest honors in life is to be a father. It's amazing. And I just want to say this. Um, if anybody's here, maybe I know it could be tough. Maybe your father's no longer with you, I just encourage you to hold on to those special memories you had, amen? amen. And just, uh, so we're praying for you, we're, you know, believing for you. I know even if it's fresh, it's, it's maybe a tough time of year for some people, so we don't want to be negligent in that area. But uh, again, happy Father's Day to everyone. So I'm really excited about this message. I have to say, I think I'm, there was a particular message I did for Pastor on Communion, and I was just so fired up to do it. I mean, I'm fired up normally when I do messages, but this particular message, I have to say, I am really excited. <laughs> like, like it's, I feel like it's a big game. Like, you know, when you're, I used to play football or baseball and you're getting ready for that game and you're preparing, you're taping your knees up, you're taping things up. That's how I felt today, listening to music about the loss, like these old songs from Britt and Nicole. How many people remember? Anyway, that's what it was like for me today. So over the next two weeks, we are going to be focusing on evangelism. So this is what you want to do. We want this message to be a launching pad for us as the church to be intentional about sharing the gospel message with those people in our sphere of influence, our world, our, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our, fa you know, our, our family, whatever it is. So the title of this message, I kept it really simple because I think this breaks us down of what we want to say, the greatest message of all. Amen? We would agree, okay, we'd all agree on this. I don't think I have to give you statistics. I had one in there. I cut it out. I said, we don't need a statistic. We live in a culture where there are more messages thrown at us every day than ever before. Social media, television, smartphones, technology overall, we're overloaded with inf information. I heard somebody once say it's the, the age of misinformation, right? So there's truth, there's lies, there's all kind of messages, but it seems everybody has a message, everybody has a story. I call it the age of the story. Everybody has a story, some good, some bad. But us as believers, we have the privilege, listen to this, the privilege, right, of, of being carriers of the greatest message in the history of the world. The greatest message in the history of the world that's not disputed, right? The actual meaning of the word gospel is good news or God's good news. That's what breaks it down. So we have the answer for a world 
that needs hope. And we're going to pray in a second. I'm going to explain what's on your seats. But we have the answer for a world that needs hope. And this message was so alive in my heart. And this particular scripture, when I was preparing, just jumped in me so much. Listen to this, because this is really the heart of this. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give what? An answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Just a note here, but do this with gentleness and respect. Say it again, <laughs> gentleness and respect, right? I like the way it says it in the Amplified, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. Set Christ apart, giving him first place. For a church, it's been a year of repentance, right? Hasn't it been? It's been a year of being set apart, living holy. And that's good, right? Because if Jesus isn't set apart in our hearts, and if he's not first place, we're not going to be ready and willing to share the gospel like we should. But when he is, what's going to happen? We're going to be ready and willing to share the gospel. So what is our goal over the next two weeks? We are on a mission over the next two weeks. All campuses, we are on a mission. We are going to learn this message. We're going to see how we do it. But most of all, we're going to fire ourselves up, stir ourselves up, amen, to share this gospel message. So the goal is to prepare our hearts and be ready to share the gospel message with those in our sphere of influence. That simple, right out of the scriptures, prepare our hearts and be ready to give that answer. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, you have prayer cards on the seat. You're wondering, I am going to explain them to you. You have cards. We've done this before. We've seen testimonies. So I want everybody to do this. Take this card out. There's some names here. It could be one, four, five. Think of some names as, as we're uh, talking about the message this week. Write down names of those that you know need to hear the gospel that you're going to pray for them. And also, if you have the opportunity to share the gospel, and we also have a steps to peace with God. Why did I give you two? Can anybody guess? Come on, it's easy. You got two of them. And why do you have two? What's that? You are good. You got it. All right. One of the Bible school students in here, Bill Hershon, said when he got that in Bible school, it was one of the best resources he had to learn the gospel. Okay? And I did a poll over time with Bible school, and then just talking to people in general, here's what I'm realizing, okay? When you look at some of the, the reasons why people don't share the gospel, and I actually did statistically with a group of about 50 or so people, asking them what's their biggest obstacle to sharing the gospel. You know what the number one thing was? I don't know what to say. So I got started realizing, wow, if that's the biggest obstacle... In that sample size, there's probably a bigger group, okay? So that's probably pretty consistent, right? How many people say that's probably pretty consistent? So if we don't, we know we have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to know everything. We could go out, the, we're going to talk about the woman at the well. She didn't know a lot. She got the whole city saved, right? But we have to have a working knowledge of this gospel message, amen? amen. So those are the two things you have on your seat. So let's pray for God to reveal those people to us, and let's pray to prepare our hearts for this message for the next two weeks. Amen? Father, we thank you for your gospel message. It's the greatest message in the history of the world. And we have the honor of being carriers of this message. 
So we thank you that you're going to give us the, the boldness, Lord God, over the next two weeks. You're going to show us who we need to put on these cards, and next week we're going to pray together as a church family for these people. And Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for your peace, for your love, Lord God, and for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So I want to start off by reading the scripture. I actually brought up my Bible here. I like to use that sometimes instead of just the iPad. So faith begins where the will of God is known, right? Faith begins where the will of God is known. 2 Timothy verse 1, therefore I exhort you, exhort you first of all, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and reverence. So what does that say? First of all, that's where it starts with prayer. It also says people in authority. I won't go there. We have to pray for people in authority. That's important. So it all starts with prayer. Prayer opens up the avenue for us to share the gospel. It all starts with prayer. Revivals were all birthed in prayer. Somebody was praying for you. Prayer is where it starts, and we're going to get more into that next week. But here's where the will of God is known for all men. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who what? Desires for all men and women to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So I could stand on this word and know it's his desire. Will everybody receive? No. Why? Because they have a free will, and we know that. But that doesn't mean I stop sharing the gospel. That doesn't mean if somebody rejects me, I stop sharing. That doesn't mean if there's a family member who you've been praying for for 15 years and they haven't come in yet, they're not coming in yet. You stay strong, you keep standing firm, because I've seen people that I talked to about the gospel and they shut me down like never before. And those people have come to me or pastor, or people in our family, my parents, and they have, they have received Christ. Amen? Amen? I remember there was this, this, this lady that I used to work with over here at Costco, and she used to mock me at the register when I worked for Costco. Anybody work for Costco? All right. Okay, so she used to mock me at the register and I worked for Costco. Laugh at me. She was a Jewish lady. Laugh, like mock, like where's your God? Years later, I saw this girl that worked with her because I didn't work for the company before I saw her at a game, a soccer game. And she goes, this girl, I'm not going to say her name. She said, this woman wants you to know she was watching the 700 Club and she received Christ. They're coming in. Believe God. Now, again, we can't control people's will, but we see it's God's will. Amen? Amen. So we got to have conviction about this gospel. I don't know about you, but I was in sales, and I cannot sell something to a customer that I don't believe in. You can see it all over my face. Some salespeople can, but I can't. We need to have conviction about this gospel. But when you're changed by this gospel, and you're made new, and God saves you, and he, and he heals you, he delivers you, it's so easy to share the gospel. Why? Because we've been changed. And when somebody's hearts change, they're going to tell somebody about it. Amen. Amen, church. Let's get excited. So let's start out by defining the word evangelism. There's going to be preaching side of this. There's going to be teaching side of this. Amen. We're going to get into the teaching, but right now we're getting excited. Amen. So let's start out by defining evangelism. Evangelism is a really, it's a word that is going to throw you when I read it. Okay. It is going to throw you. It means the spreading of the gospel by public preaching or personal witness. That's what the word evangelism means. And in a sense, we do it every day. We could even say this, the spreading of the good news by public preaching of personal witness, the spreading of God's good news by public preaching and personal witness, right? 
We do it every day. Talk to a woman about shopping, a man about sports, parents about their children. I won't go here. Spouses about each other, okay? <laughs> we won't meddle there. Spouses about each other and an on-fire believer about the things of God. Why is this true? It's true because it's a biblical principle. What we are passionate about, we will talk about, right? What we are passionate about, we will talk about. I heard someone say, until we walk closely with God, we will not tell others about him. Ultimately, evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. Never forget that. So in Mark 3.14, it says, and he appointed 12 to continue to be with him that he might send them out to preach as apostles or special messengers. I would agree. 100%, we are not all called to preach the gospel from a pulpit publicly. But I know this by the scriptures, and we're going to see it. We are all called to share the gospel message in our everyday lives on a personal level. Now, we do this in three ways. We're going to talk about it next week. Really with our lifestyle, what people observe about us, with our actions, the way we live toward them, and the words we say to them. That's three main ways, right? So this weekend, we're going to look at the simplicity of the gospel message and see our heavenly Father's heart for those that don't know him yet. So two things. We're going to look at what is this message, and then we are going to look at the Father's heart for those that don't know him yet. What a perfect way to honor our heavenly Father on Father's Day. Amen? What a perfect way to honor our heavenly Father on Father's Day. So here is our foundational scripture for this series. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. I'm going to stop there. How many people are in Christ? Amen. All right. All right. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from who? From God. Who what? Reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you are a new believer in Christ, you have the message. You have the ministry. I don't care what side of the tracks you were born on. I don't care if you have a, a wild personality or a reserved personality. You are a minister of reconciliation. You'll never be just a teacher. You'll never be just a doctor. You'll never be just a lawyer. You and me, we are all ministers of reconciliation. Amen? And God has committed this message to us. Not just the pastors, teachers, evangelists. No, no, not just those in the five-fold ministry on staff. He is committed to each and every one of us this message. Amen? Every single one of us. Amen? Are you excited? I am. Please, forgive me if I'm getting excited. You don't see this side of me all the time. I'll calm it down in the middle part of the message. All right. So, so what... <laughs> So what is, the, what is this gospel message, all right? What is this gospel message? Here's where we need to know. We have to have a working knowledge of this message. I had an opportunity in 2005 to work at a, Billy Graham's Last Crusade, and I learned so much. I'm so thankful. So much of what I learned about evangelism was from that. I went through a four-week training. I had a chance to be a supervisor, be at his crusade. It was one of those amazing things I've ever been to, to see the heart of that ministry. And I found this notebook from the notes I took, and I want to read uh, something to you. This is what he says. He says, if this is the most, this, I don't know if Billy Graham said this quote or the vice president of his training said this, if this is the most life-changing message, should we not be good at it? 
Should we not be good at sharing it? Amen? So we need to be good at sharing it. So we find this message in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Reconciliation is the message. Right? What does it say? We are ministers of reconciliation. He committed to us the message of reconciliation. So in its short form, the word and the message is reconciliation. Amen? Amen. So we know reconciliation. We all love reconciliation. We watch movies. I don't know about you, but I love when the bad guy turns good. Two people who are in a fight get back together. Nobody likes to see a movie end bad, even a person who's not that nice. All right, it's good to see this movie, right? So reconciliation has three important meanings in the original language. They're very important because right now we're opening it up and we're now we're going to start seeing the gospel message unfold, right, in these verses, okay? Listen to the meanings of reconciliation. Number one, this is in the original language, being restored to God's favor. We were out of God's favor at one point. Now we're in peace. Man sinned and had to be restored back into God's favor. You see that picture, right? Exchanging money or the adjusting of a difference. It's an accounting term. If your books are off and there's a debt, right, and you pay the debt, what happens? Things are reconciled. What's that a picture of? Jesus paying for our sins. And the final picture we want to bring out, this is my favorite, it all carries the meaning. So those two words carry this meaning, that God did two things, that he does not impute or count to mend their trespasses. Second, that he has deposited the doctrine of reconciliation in the souls of the preachers of the gospel. So through Christ, the penalty of our sin was paid for and now not counted against us. So we see restored to God's favor, right? We see restored to God's favor, the, the price being paid, sin's not counted against us, and we see he deposited the message in the souls of the preachers of the gospel. Amen. Not just ones up here, but everybody here. Amen? Amen? So with these things in mind regarding reconciliation, we're going to look at the four main principles of the gospel. I don't want this to be a formula, okay? This doesn't have to be a formula, but let's get a working knowledge of the gospel. So number one is God's purpose, peace, and life. So these four points I'm going to say are in your book. So I encourage you to use this as a resource to learn the gospel message. So God loves us and created us in his image to experience peace and abundant life for eternity. We were never meant to die physically or spiritually. We had perfect fellowship with him and ruled over the earth. Adam and Eve still live for 984 years. We have a joke we were talking about in the office one day. I realized that. I'm like, do you realize it took years for kind of death to catch up to us physically? And I said, could you imagine working at the same job for 700 years? And then they pull you in the office and say, listen, we're making some cuts. We're going to have to let you go. Being there seven, could you be mar being married for like 700 years? Anyway, so like seriously, they still live for 984 years. So Genesis 127, we see our scriptural precedent, okay? We were created, I'm having fun up here, I'm sorry. <laughs> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So we see it. That was our original state for mankind, right? So the problem, sin separates us in the garden. Adam sinned and disobeyed God and since all of sin. Okay, sin has a price. That is 
spiritual and physical death and eternal separation from God. Sin brought in fear, selfishness, self-consciousness, lack of peace, lack of wholeness. What does salvation mean? To be made whole physically, spiritually, right? To be forgiven, to be preserved, to be safe, to be whole. All the parts working together. They weren't working together when Adam sinned, right? Does that make sense? So the original plan, that's God's original. It's real easy. That's his original plan, okay? So let's take it to real life. Somebody's like, I have no peace. Where do I go? Can I, can I talk to you about something that changed my life? And we could, you'll get to that with the person. But go, there's a reason you don't have peace. God created you in his image. And we were never designed to not have peace. And then you can start going into the rest. Does that make sense? That, that's, there you go. That's the gospel message. That's how we share it. So let's understand this, though, that sin does separate us from God eternally. But when Adam and Eve sin, God's love never changed for them. He still went to talk to them in the garden. He still clothed them. He covered them until Jesus came. Does that make sense? He covered their sin. Jesus wiped them away. But all through the Old Testament, we see animals get killed and all these things to cover until sin came. Sacrifices. And once Jesus made, there's no longer a sacrifice for sin. It's Jesus. He, right? Does that make sense? So understand, God's love never changed. There's, by sinning, they lost no awareness of his love and presence. God showed his love by putting our sin on Jesus for us to be never separated again. Here is a very important piece of the gospel, right? You're with me. You're good? Here's a very important piece of the gospel. God didn't overlook our sin and say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to forget about it about our sin. No, the wages of sin is death. That's it. God can't break his word, okay? He put it on Jesus. He put it on him. That's the gospel message. Not that he said, yeah, it's okay. You sin, I'm going to be cursed. No, I got to be a person of my word because my word never changes. So now someone has to take the price. And on top of that, if Jesus would have backed off and never went to the cross, we would be separated from God eternally. Why? Why? Because Jesus is the only innocent one, and none of us could have died because we were guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another piece of the gospel. All have sinned. Amen? Amen. Here we see it. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Oh, yeah, that's the bad news. But what's the good news? But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus our Lord. So now we see the original plan. We see the problem. When we have a problem, we need what? A remedy. We need a solution. What's God's remedy? The cross. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. God reconciled us back to himself through Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins. We are freed from the penalty, but also the power of sin. Get that. The penalty. See, some of us know, and you bet, this is for somebody, all right? Some of us know that we were freed from the penalty of sin, but some of us still live under the power of sin. Amen? Some of us don't realize we've been freed from the power of sin. That's why Jesus could tell people, go and sin no more. You've been forgiven, right? Your penalty has been paid, but go and sin no more because you are broken free from the power of sin. Power of sin has no hold on us. Never forget that. Amen? Amen. So we see here, God's remedy is the cross. But God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. That's where we see the unconditional agape love of God, right? The, 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 the unconditional love of God while we were yet sinners. That's the way God demonstrated his love for us. While we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. Not while we were good. And finally, the most wonderful part, our response is to receive Christ. We're all invited to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and receive this, and it's simple. This is how we do it. We believe it in our hearts and we declare our faith in him with our mouth. That's it. We don't have to be good. We don't have to um, run 50 miles, do a pilgrimage like pastor says. No, we just receive it in our hearts. It's a free gift. Amen? Amen. Perfect scripture for Father's Day, John 1, 12. But as many as received him to them, he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, this is all good news. I remember a person um, who, who had just texted me one day a per, uh, years back, and the person's like, I want to go to church. I have no peace. People sense that in their hearts. They have no peace. If you really ask somebody, do you really have peace? And now it's easier to share the gospel than ever before because of what's going on. People have less peace now than ever before. That's bad, but it's good to, to, to share the gospel. But to many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. This is all good news. One of the weightiest things in the world is to live under that guilt and shame. People who were maybe on their deathbed or people who live their life and, real, and feel that sense of, I can never be forgiven for all that I've done. And then you see them maybe come to Christ in the last moment and realize all that guilt and shame is gone. Have you ever carried that guilt and shame in your life? Amen. That's what people are carrying. They're carrying that weight of guilt and shame, that, that feeling of unrighteousness. And there's no, nothing more beautiful than having that weight pulled off of us. Amen? Amen? Reverend Doug Jones said from Rama Bible Training Center, we were listening to a message recently. He said this. He said, we can't appreciate the gospel until we understand how hopeless and lost we were in church. I'm not saying we go back to our past and go back to our past and remember all that we did, but man, we got to remind ourselves where he took us out of. We got to remind ourselves where we were when we first met him. We got to go back to that, right? That excitement that you wanted to tell everybody. Why? Because, because you're changed. Man, I'm free. I no longer have to carry this weight. I no longer have to carry this in. And what happens, you naturally go tell. So we shouldn't have to force Christians to evangelize. We should have to hold them back from evangelizing. But it all starts with our relationship with God. We got to fire ourselves up, get in that presence of God. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2.12, we're coming to our last point, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, this is where we were, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where we were before Christ. And there's people out there, there's family, there's friends, they need to know, they need to know about Jesus. We need to be ready to share, and we're going to talk about how to do it next week, but just something that just jumped in my heart. I remember years back uh, when I was married, I was going home and um, 
I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know what, um, I'm going to go home. I, there was some people at my parents' house, and all of a sudden I heard, you need to go over the house because you're going to share the gospel with your family. Not my parents, some, re- some cousins. And all of a sudden, sure enough, God's faithful to his word. I didn't even know if I brought it up. The gospel messages came up, and we started sharing it at the kitchen table with one of my cousins. Why did I say that? Because we need to be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's time to, to, to get out there and share the gospel. Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, great, great um, basketball player. He didn't say this in relation to his life. He used to say this when he played basketball because he was a driven person and, and he was really um, you know, hardworking. And I'm not saying we should be so driven, but this is what he said. And this, this quote really stuck out to me recently. He says, the biggest mistake we make in life is thinking we have more time. Yeah, I got some time to tell them about the gospel, then they move away. Oh, I got time, and I got time to do this, and I got time to work out. In your 40s, in your 40s you're asking, you know, you'll ask somebody, can you still get built at 40 and then 10 years later? Can you still get built at 50? Can you still keep in shape at 50, 60? Right? We think we have time. We, but about the gospel, we can't wait. And that's not to put us into condemnation. We need to have some urgency. That's what I like about pastor. He has urgency. When he wants to do something, how many people you see him? Come on, let's get this going. Let's get this going. Doesn't push us, but they, he pushes just a little bit. Come on, let's get on this. Let's get on. Why? Because he wants to preach the gospel. He knows when you don't get something done, it, it's five months later, you forget about it. We can't do that with the gospel. Amen? Amen. You getting something tonight? I am. I'm happy. All right. So what is the Father's heart towards the lost? That's what we're going to wrap up. Jay, we got about 15 minutes, right? Yep. Okay. So what is the Father's heart towards those that are lost? Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. But here's the thing that we need to really pull out of that. When he saw the multitudes, in the multitudes, if you go somewhere long enough, let's just be blunt. There's some people that could really get on your nerves when you're in a crowd of a lot of people. No, seriously, there's all kind of crazy people. The more people, wait, come on, let's be real. Go to New York City. If you don't believe me, this week, go to New York City. The more people, the more crazy. It's true, right? But Jesus didn't think of it as crazy. He saw the mold. I recently was at Atlantic City um, with, a, uh, with my friend and his daughter. And just keep in mind, I don't gamble, whatever, me personally. But we were walking, and this guy was like screaming and having an argument with himself. He was mentally ill or on drugs. Nobody was there, but he was pretty fired up, yelling at nobody at the wall and my friend's daughter got freaked out. And I'll be honest with you, I, I maybe chuckled a little bit later, if I could be honest, but I really didn't laugh on the spot. People were laughing. So I got, I was like, like so sad for this guy. I'm like, man, how, how could you want to be in this bondage? Or rather, how could you be in that bondage to be so hurting and broken? It's like we dismiss that, but Jesus cares about that guy right? Jesus cared about the multitudes. And every time Jesus was moved with compassion, he did something. He taught, he fed, he healed, and he also commissioned his disciples. Moved with compassion, it's a deep feeling about someone's difficulty, 
or misfortune that comes from your innermost being. And here's the key. This is what we need to understand. Why was Jesus so moved with compassion? He saw that people were helpless, hurting, weary, and scattered. No one to guide or lead them in the right direction lost. That's a key. He was moved compassion, but why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were hurting. They were broken. They were bound like that guy we just talked about. And Jesus, when he saw them, he didn't judge. He was moved with compassion. Amen? That same heart should be ours. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Sheep, in a figurative sense, means someone easily led one way or the other. So, so a sheep is a type and shadow of a person, say, like pastor always sit, laughs when we look all together. He's like, see, sheep just get distracted easy, right? They do, because that's the meaning of a sheep. They're distracted either way, but they want to go God's way. We're his sheep, we know his voice, but the devil comes in and tries to distract. So the same heart should be ours. We see no greater picture of this than in Luke 15, where Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. What did I say? We're ministers of reconciliation. And there's no more beautiful picture than this parable. There's true accounts in the Bible, but there's parables, which are stories told to prove a real life principle. And that's what this is. When you're ex- so the theme is this, in the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, when you lose something of value, you will search diligently until you find it, and when you find it, you're going to celebrate. Amen? Amen? When you're excited about something, you celebrate, and you usually tell someone. That's what I like about Pastor Martin. Pastor Martin has such a heart for the kids, and he's always getting so excited about, look at these props I made for the kids, and he's telling you about the message. Why? And I'm going to talk a little about Martin's story next week, how he came to, to Christ here in the church. But, but Martin's just so excited. Why? Because when you're excited about somebody, you're going to tell somebody about it. So really, sometimes, if we're really honest with ourselves, and I'm putting myself in there first, if we don't really share the gospel, what's really the issue? Yes, maybe I don't know what to say. That's, that's probably true, okay? But when you're passionate about something, you'll figure out what that's to say, right. okay? If somebody was in a burning fire and you had to run in, would you have to try to figure something else? No, one of your kids are there, somebody's in there. No, you're gonna go after that person. If your child was lost, right, and you're in a mall, you're gonna find them. You're gonna figure it out. You're gonna like, oh, I never did this before. No, you'll figure it out. That's the way we need to be about the gospel. It's not that hard. You don't have to take a six-week class. You don't have to take a two-month class to talk about your, your wife or your, your husband or when you're dating somebody. No, people are like, shut up already. All right, I can't take it. Why? Because you're excited and what you're excited about, you're going to talk about what you're excited about, you're going to tell somebody about. Amen? So in Luke 4, 15, 4 through 6, we're going to wrap it up here. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them? Right? I... My sister one time, Pastor Cap's in here, their son Michael got lost in a water park and they shut the water park down, right? Why? They didn't care about having a good time. We got to find Michael. My sister says the funniest thing. We don't have it on, 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 on her, in the teaching archives anymore. 
She did in one of the best teachings on the lost, and she says, God seeks the lost and celebrates the found. But she said, I didn't look at my husband, Pastor Gap, and say, you know what? We got Anthony. Let's get out of here. Let's cut our losses. No, they found Michael. He was messing around in some kind of pool, right? But I, that's one of my favorite stories. But the, now on a serious note, they went to find him, right? If he loses one. He didn't say five, ten, one. He leaves, what, the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one until, which he lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, which was lost. Jesus told these parables in front of religious people. The Pharisees and scribes were complaining when he told Luke 15, also in Luke 19, he talked about the story of Zacchaeus. And Jesus, that's when he said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. But here, he told this in response to the religious people. Religion is always going to short-circuit the power of God. Amen? So he told this in front of them because they were saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. The deception of religion. How deceiving is this? They are mocking a guy for sitting with the ones he came to die for. That's almost like, doesn't even make any sense. Why? Because that's how deceiving religion is. But we're not in religion. We are in a relationship. Amen? Amen. So the story about the prodigal son, we're not going to get into it, is one of the most amazing pictures of God's heart. If you want to get more into this point, it's a perfect time this week. Raina Martinez did awesome teaching this Wednesday on the nature of God. Went into Luke 15. We don't need to go into it. It's on, um, online on our website, and you could, you could um, go into that. But the story of the prodigal son shows it so much, where the son left his father. He, he got his portion of the goods, went far off, lived wild, right, and came to his senses, lost everything, and said, I'm going to my father with the expectation that I'm going to be a slave, not a son. And the father, what does he say to him? It says he saw him from afar off. He had compassion on him. He hugged him. He kissed him. And he put the best robe on him, um, right? He put, he put the sandals on him. And he welcomed him back as a son. The best robe, the ring, the sandals, he restored him back. He reconciled him back. He did not count his son's sins against him. He all he cared about is my son was dead, now he's alive. My son's lost, and now he's found. We need to stop getting involved in all these debates with people. Yes, we need to stand for what's right. I'm not denying that, but we need to stop worrying about such little things and start worrying about if pe are people lost or are people found, and we need to go bring the gospel to the lost. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're commanded. We could stand up. If you could just stand up, we're going to make a commitment now to this. Um, so the religious people were saying, those people aren't valuable to us. Jesus didn't care. They were valuable to him. So we're commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The best place to start is that one in our world, that one that sits next to us. I don't want to put any pressure that you need to not work and not spend time with your family. No, that's out of balance, but start with one. Just start with one. Start investing in someone's life. I have a, a I brought someone to Christ in the Philippines who works for one of my friends, and now I do a one-on-one Bible study with him, and I'm just pouring into that one person's life. Let's start with one, amen? But if you're here, and you're one that never received 
Christ into your life. If you could just close your eyes. If you're here today and you never received Christ into your life, that scripture says, yet to all who had received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Amen? And what did I say? In Romans 10, I said before, how do we do it? We confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, for with the heart we believe, right? So with the heart we believe and with our mouth, confession is made into salvation, right? So if you're here today and you've never done that before, just put up your hand. I want to pray with you. I believe everybody in here probably knows Jesus. If you're here today, put up your hand if you never received Christ before and you want to do that today. Anyone? All right, good. So we're all family. So if you didn't raise your hand, we are going to have prayer workers at the end that are going to pray with you that are, that, that are here. And if you have any kind of prayer need, if you're hurting or you're, you're, you need healing in your body, our prayer workers are here to pray with you. Amen. But we're going to make a commitment as a church. We said that evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God, right? So here's our challenge, because next week we're going to talk about how to do it. We're going to make a commitment together as a church. Here's our challenge as a church. I want to encourage us to continue to fuel that passion inside of us. Amen? To continue to fuel that passion inside of us through intimacy with God. Because when we fuel that passion inside, his heart becomes our heart. Amen? And and begin to have that heart of compassion for the lost and keep that message of reconciliation burning in our hearts. Amen? Keep that message of reconciliation, keep it burning in our hearts, because I call them passion killers. There are things in our lives that kill our passion for God. John Wesley said this, one of the best quotes I ever heard, worldliness is anything that cools your affection for God. What's that one thing? That one thing could stop you from sharing the gospel. What, you could be committed to God 90%, but that 10% could hold you back. So let's make a commitment as a church to fuel that that, uh, the, that passion for God. I heard a message recently from somebody in Oklahoma. It was so good. It was get lit, stay lit, and spread. And I started thinking about it. We're good at getting lit, and we're good at spreading, but we're not, <laughs> sorry. Okay, we're good at getting lit. We're good at staying lit. If you just recorded that one piece, what would happen? So we're good at getting lit. We're good at staying, but we're not good at staying lit, right? That's where we miss it. There's people that are good at starting, but they're not good at finishing and being consistent. I put myself in there. Amen. So let's make a commitment because there's, he said there's a, this person who did the message said there's a fire triangle, heat, oxygen, and fuel. That's three things that keep a a fire burning. So let's keep that fuel burning because we're the light of the world and let's not anything let our fire burn out. So put up your hands and just make this um, confession from your heart today on Father's Day. Father, Father, we honor you. And we commit our hearts to know you deeper and continue to keep the things out of our lives that kill our passion for you. We commit to share this gospel message and let it burn in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen, church. What was good ministering to you. Um, Again, it's Father's Day.
Amen. Amen. It's Father's Day. Let's not forget our natural fathers. Show them love. Or somebody who stepped up in your life to be a father. Let's not forget any of that. And let's, first and foremost, honor our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a, have a great, great night and great Father's Day.